The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. I look forward to weekends. I mean, I love weekdays. I love my job. It's wonderful. I get to speak to fascinating and wonderful people. But this weekend in particular, I'm looking forward to more than most other weekends because I get to, in public, um, put Warren Ingram on a pedestal and torture him. (laughs) It's going to be so much fun. Um, Because your book is at the Frontier Literary Festival this weekend, Warren, your, um, your global investing book. And I'm thoroughly looking forward to uh, talking to you at one o'clock in, uh, in Frontier at the Literary Festival. And I think we're going to have a, a, a very engaging conversation about global investing. I'm looking forward to it, Bruce. One o'clock on Saturday, to be clear, but uh, I, I was uh, tempted to to kind of have some comments before the time, just to make sure you don't you don't rattle me. But uh, <laughs> looking forward to it. I'm preparing my rattles. I'm preparing my rattles. Now, listen, let's rattle tonight on the issue of volatile investment markets. Um, share prices going up, share prices going down. We hit a record level of about 77,000 on the all-share index not so long ago. We're down at 67,000 on the all-share index, which is a sharp pullback. I mean, it was a sharp rise and a sharp pullback. Uh, and for many investors, the sort of volatility is fairly miserable. You feel super rich one day and you think, oh, everything's going right. Look at me. I'm a genius. And a month later, you're thinking, this is the end of the world. I really need to make another plan. Otherwise, I'm going to starve. So how do we ensure that we are we can sleep at night when it comes to the massive volatility that we're having to endure? Yeah, and I think just to add to that, the the, the other asset type which is which is struggling with volatility is is the bond market. You know, b- both in South Africa and overseas. And and just you know, just to explain that w- when interest rates are rising, and especially when investors anticipate that interest rates are going to rise, the prices of bonds start to fall, uh, and and that's what we're seeing at the moment. So so it's all good and well that you're going to earn more interest on your cash, and even your bonds in the future might actually give you a lot more interest. The the problem in the short term is. Your, your kind of stable asset, you know, which is what bonds are supposed to be in a portfolio, those are the ones that are also giving volatility at a time when, when you're looking for something to offset the volatility of stock markets. So it is a, it is a tricky time, Bruce. And I think the, the, the first comment, and um, it's so boring, but it's, it's true, is, you know, stay calm. This too shall pass. Don't panic. Don't make big uh, radical calls uh, when, when you own sort of quality assets. You, you, you know, I think the Temptation now, and, and the kind of interesting questions uh, to, to hear from investors are: you know, Shouldn't we just move to cash now? You know, interest rates are going up. We're going to get a bit, bit more of a return on our cash. Let, let's just park the money in cash and wait for all this stuff to pass. Uh, and once it's all settled down, and we know what inflation is going to do, we, we know whatever happens in the Ukraine gets gets sorted out. You know, uh, uh, isn't it then a good time to start buying assets again and buy the bonds and buy, buy shares? And it'll all be you know in the past. And and I think it's a intuitively it's an it's an argument I always understand. I think it's a it's a nice one, especially for people you know that that live off the their assets, you know, that are getting an income from their assets. But uh, unfortunately, the 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 opportunities for for owning quality assets and, and and especially buying quality assets at a good price don't present themselves when 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 everything is going well and and all the the troubles are behind us. That that in fact the best opportunities are when that when the troubles are landing in your lap, you know, like a thunder. Storm, and I feel that's where we are now. So, so it's not the time to run away, unfortunately. And and if you are trying to to get growth on your investments in the future, then understanding that these kinds of times, when when, when everything's going up and down the whole time, and people like me talk about you know, volatility nonstop, 
that 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 is the time when you should be saying this is this is normal this is part and parcel of being in markets uh, and inflation is is a concern that investors have had for many decades it's something that that we get used to and we will adapt to uh, you, you know war is not something we're supposed to get used to but but it will it will come come and work its way through the system eventually uh, and and sitting in cash is just going to be a really terrible idea over time so step 1 please don't panic and just take take step number one is don't panic. And if you need to step one B, cast your mind back to March April of 2020, where if you had panicked in that short sharp shock that markets um, hit markets, and lots of people did panic. They're just like, oh my goodness, we were down 10, 30, 20, 30, 40 percent. Let's run. Um, by the time you woke up a month later, markets had surpassed their previous levels because suddenly it was believed that COVID could be, to a large extent, corralled and controlled and we would actually survive the crisis. This wasn't the end of the world. It wasn't. And and I think, uh, the, you know, the, the the reason why markets fall is always going to be different, but, but, but that they follow a pattern and sort of a similar theme, uh, I think that's true. Uh, and, and this time around, it will be a little bit different because the, the concern is not uh, kind of a shock from the side, you know, which is a pandemic that, uh, you know, that hits most people for the first time in their, in, in their lifetime. The, the, this time around, it's about it's a concern about inflation causing reserve banks around the world to raise interest rates. And if inflation keeps going and reserve banks have to keep pushing up interest rates, eventually it pushes uh, you know, global economies into a recession. So it's a valid concern. And I think that uh, because inflation takes time to unfold, uh, th- th- this is probably with us for at least you, you know the, the, the remainder of this year. The, the, this kind of volatility. So so it, it you know step two or, or kind of comment two here is if you haven't panicked now, please don't panic in in three or four or five months time when the situation is not much better than where it is today. The the the, the concerns are there, but once investors look through this, once they start to feel like they've got a grip on what inflation will do, uh, and and especially then what central banks will do, then they'll start to price the assets better and and we will see we will see a recovery in markets because that's what markets do eventually uh, and i feel the opportunities to buy are, are presenting themselves now so so i guess you, you know step three then is be careful that you don't uh, kind of skew your whole mix of assets in other words don't be totally invested in in a in a dead asset like cash which is you know giving you no no return but no volatility similarly don't be 100% in shares uh, if uh, with no cash to deploy if if you then want to take advantage of some opportunities and then for a lot of us, you know, we've been looking at these international markets and saying for quite some time, you know, we wouldn't want to own international bonds because, you know, the, the, the only way that they can go in terms of price is down because at some point interest rates need to rise. Well, interest rates are rising and, and very soon there will be a time when, when it's, it's, it's time to start adding international bonds to your portfolio. And I think in South Africa, the same for, for people that are, are looking for income, you, you, you know, getting, you know, 10 or 11% a year on government bonds in South Africa is nothing to be sneezed at. You know, I think it's, it is a good return and it's a very nice compliment to, to shares, even though the bonds are really volatile now. So, so I think my, my other big comment there is make sure that your mix of assets is right. Make sure you've got a good spread of assets across cash bonds and, and shares. And, and at some point, you know, we'll, we'll add uh, property companies back to that conversation. I, I think 
We need to see what, what, what the economy does in South Africa first for, for that to happen. But, but certainly internationally, you know, you know, global property companies need to start being considered again. So, so I think it's, it's also about then just getting the mix right. What, once you stop panicking and once you realize that the situation is, a, is going to be with us for quite some time. And then maybe the, the, the other big comment is don't get sucked into the negativity. Don't get sucked into the doomsday scenarios. I'm, I'm reading quite a few articles, you know, globally where, where people are sort of forecasting, you know, that, that we, we see no returns for the next decade. You know, this is going to be a lost decade like we saw at the start of the year 2000. And that might come true. You know, even a broken clock is right twice a day, but, but I'm not convinced that, that you need to buy those arguments simply because they're well made. You know, some, someone can make a really intelligent sounding argument that's completely wrong. Uh, and, and the reality is markets deliver returns for most people in periods of five years and more. And, and there's no reason that we wouldn't expect the same, especially from the JSE. I think the JSE is, is going to represent a fantastic market opportunity for a lot of investors if they stay patient. That's an incredibly brave thing to say, one particularly when people are heartful, and that's, I think, a legal word, um, when it comes to, <laughs> to ESCOM and corruption and all of the stuff that um, is shoved down our throats each and every single day. People are just, just exhausted, exhausted of the pervading narratives. And it's that ability to see through those pervading narratives that will help you better inform your decision-making process. Yeah, and I think it's so. so uh, the, let's let's acknowledge the sentiment that's uh, that, that's the, and and I think our you know we're a brilliant country for for kind of uh, explaining in detail our problems and 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 the things that are going wrong. We we we're very good at that. All of us are armchair experts, but but we're not that good at at, at any kind of positive signs, any kind of turnaround. You know, whether it be in philosophy, implementation, reform, all of those things. So so there there, there is good news happening. But but I, just to park it for a second and and just look at the the. JSC itself. The reason why I make that comment with with some confidence is the, the JSC itself is not a price of of the the South African economy. You know, the the biggest company in the JSE uh, from, from a top forty index point of view is Richmond. You know, it's a it's a company that sells luxury goods around the world and and especially kind of more and more in in the developing world than than everywhere else. And then you add the mining houses and you you know you, you add the Nasbasses and the like. Uh, and what you realize very quickly is that. You know, the, the, the biggest majority of, 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 of revenue generated by the top 40 shares uh, on, on the JSE are not generated in South Africa. So, so you know, me making the comment that, that the JSE represents good value is not the same as saying, you know, invest all your money in South Africa uh, specific companies and you're going to do incredibly well. That, that, that might still be the case, Bruce. I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's worth talking about. But, but the JSE itself, it's not a price of the South African economy. It's more of an emerging market, especially more Asian emerging market uh, uh, index. Mm. Uh, and it will, it will develop, it kind of give us good returns once the, the noise is settled through, through the world system and, and inflation is, is being kind of handled. So, so I, that, that's the reason for that comment. But, but I think we are seeing some reforms in South Africa. Yes, they're too slow. Uh, you know, yes, they could always be better. And, and, and you know, I'm saying that while I'm kind of, you know, living on, on load shedding on my UPS at my house while I'm talking to you, but, but we will get through this. And, and once we're through it, uh, the companies that are surviving today are, are the, really the survival of the fittest, the best management teams, the best operators that have, that have dealt with so much, far more than most countries could ever deal with. Uh, and they're still standing. And those are the ones that will be generating fantastic profits when they get any kind of assistance from economic growth. Let's get to questions. 
Um, and talk about Roberta's question. Now, you, I got an email today from Roberta. He is a regular correspondent with The Money Show. And he was saying Warren Buffett is known for saying to for saying that you should look at a company 10 years into the future. We're looking 10 years into the future for NUSPAS. One would think their investments globally would grow and become a larger proportion of the business than 10 cent. So my question to Warren is, does he see a potential future for NUSPAS in 10 years' time where the share price has grown to 10,000 rand? If so, is this not the buy of the decade? Well, if it is, it would be. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if you're going to put a price in it right now, Warren, but certainly the rationale of you know progress and growth and opportunity is sound. I, I, I'm, you're right. I'm not going to put a price on it because uh, th- th- that's th- th- the only guarantee I'll give you is that whatever my price prediction is, it'll be perfectly wrong, even if it's sort of right. So, <laughs> so l- l- let's talk it through. I think it's a very nice example of what I'm talking about. You know, the, the share price has been absolutely hammered. You know, they've had to write off. Uh, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of millions of rands worth of, of assets uh, because of the, their Russian interests. So, so they've had to write it to zero because of the, the, the sanctions, which they've done. Uh, then their, their Chinese operations get get hammered by, by regulators in China. And, and you know, if you listen to fund managers who are based in, in places like Singapore, I remember listening to forward fund managers uh, talking about this, and they're saying, that you know, both us in South Africa and the Western fund management industry simply don't understand what the Chinese regulators are doing. They believe that big tech in China has has become so big that it's become anti-competitive. That that is exactly the argument that the regulators are saying for for big tech in the states and in Europe. And in fact, regulators are fining big tech in Europe already with with the biggest fines in in history. So so what's happening in China is that that, that the regulatory environment changes very quickly with very little consultation to solve a problem. And and we have to acknowledge that when when something is too big and becomes monopolistic, it can become an economic detriment. And I think that that's that's the argument for why the Chinese regulators are, are moving so quickly. So yes, there's not a lot of consultation. We don't all feel warm and fuzzy about it. But once that regulation is fixed, and, and once the problems they, as they see them are resolved, that doesn't destroy the case for, for big tech in China. It just means it creates opportunities for more competition. And some of these businesses are very global. They are great capital allocators. They've got a huge head start on a lot of their competition around the world. And I would be really surprised to, to, to see, uh, I mean, if we don't see big Chinese companies kind of moving into the world, you know, provided we don't get more wars and that kind of stuff, and, and become very dominant players uh, across much of the rest of the world. So, I think there's a very good argument for for, for buying, uh, especially process in the story, because you know that that's the the, the more direct listing into those global investments. Uh, and, and I think that you know an, an element of optimism there is is sound. But again, please don't go and make that sort of twenty or thirty percent of your portfolio. You know, when you allocate uh, shares, like Buffett says, for ten years, that, that that's a good call. But you know, don't don't go and kind of bet your whole house on it, because you know we could all be completely wrong, and and, and then something unforeseen happens and destroys those companies. I, I don't see it. Uh, uh, but but you, you have to have a, a good spread of shares when you're going to buy individual shares. And then another question from Stanley. Now, Stanley says Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey is one of these religious guys in the U.S. and he sort of combines um, religion and personal finance and he's incredibly popular, incredibly, incredibly popular in the United States and uh, lots of people in South Africa like him too. A renowned American financial advisor and author, recently I came across a social media post about his seven baby steps program to get out of debt and build wealth. Please see attached. I didn't have time. I hope you did. Um, what do you think of the sound step and whether or not it's applicable in the South African context. I'm sure it's perfectly 
in order and perfectly sensible. I like this idea of a baby steps program to get yourself out of shtuk. Yeah, I must say, I did have a look and, and I do like it. So, so I'll just, I'll speak through it and then just adapt it for South Africa. The first thing he says is uh, save a thousand dollars for your starter emergency fund. And, and so, you know, in the South African context, I, I think for, for people, you know, that, that haven't got any kind of emergency fund, if you can give yourself the goal of getting to the point where you have at least sort of 10,000 rand sitting in an emergency fund that's there to help you stay out of debt when the, when you get a, a you know nasty financial shock, uh, I, I think that, you know, that's a, it, it is a smart call. Uh, and, and then his, his second step is pay off all debt except your house and then use the debt, um, using the debt snowball. In other words, you know, you know, start by paying off your most expensive debt, you know, let's say it's credit card first, and then whatever money you were using to pay off the credit card, you use that to pay off the next most expensive debt. And, and so, you know, you, you keep raising cash uh, from all the debts that you've been paying off to pay off more and more debt as fast as you possibly can. So, so once you've paid off all of your debts, and he's talking about, you know, personal loans, overdrafts, car debt, um, once you've got that out of your life, then build up a proper emergency fund, which is three to six months worth of your normal expenses. And, and that should just be sitting in a money market account, you know, something that you can access uh, when the wheels have fallen off and you, you need to, to, to pay for something unforeseen uh, and you don't need to then go into credit card debt again. So, so his next step after that is, you know, save uh, about 15% of your the income that your household generates. And that's for your long-term uh, capital. That's for your long-term retirement savings. And, and South Africa, I think that that's, uh, you know, something we talk about a lot, except that, you know, people that want to get to, to financial freedom a bit faster, I would suggest maybe not not 15% as, as your base case, but maybe a little bit higher. So somewhere between 15 and 25%. If you can't do that straight away, just start, you know, start by saving 5%. And then next year, build it up to, to 7% and keep going. But don't, don't just say, well, I can't get to 15%. I'm not, not even going to try. You know, that, that, that really doesn't make sense. You, you've got to give yourself small goals and take the baby steps to get to that, that 15% goal, then the 20% goal and, and carry on. Then uh, Ramsey's fifth step is save for your, your children's uh, university fund. I think that that's a, a, a good call. Uh, and then his second last step is pay off your home loan early. Again, you know, I mean, that's absolutely applicable in South Africa as well. And then his last step, but I guess that goes to his kind of social bent as well as build wealth and, and then and give, you know, and, and do your philanthropy. And I think, uh, you know, uh, in, in South Africa, uh, lots of people are giving all the time. You know, we, we, we have family responsibility most of us, you know, parents, siblings, children and the like. So I think we probably do that in South Africa already. But but those are his seven steps. And I think they are really applicable for, for South Africa. I'm not sure that they're all baby steps, but, but you know, if, uh, for me, it's a, it's a great way to go. Wonderful. Then um, a phrase of the week. I've never heard of this, a stop loss order. What is that? So it's something that uh, people who have been uh, who, who've been buying cryptocurrencies for the last few years would love to have put in their portfolios. So, so what happens is if you trade individual shares or you trade individual investments, when you buy the investment, let's just say you you pay you you pay twenty rand for it. That's your that's your purchase price. What you can do on most trading systems is you can say that. If that uh, if that price falls by just just for argument's sake ten percent, you must immediately and automatically sell it. So if you've paid twenty rand 
and it loses two rand, which is uh, you, you know then ten percent, it must automatically sell. So you don't need to put in a new instruction or sit there monitoring your your shares or your your other investments uh, you know all the time. You can just have these automated stop losses uh, that, that kick in and then you know limit your losses by you know to whatever level you want. Uh, the ten percent example for me is 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 just a, an illustration. It could be anything. You could say five percent or fifty percent. So so it's something that most of the kind of stockbroking platforms around the world will have. So South Africa uh, stockbrokers will be the same. And then, you know, these the more sophisticated platforms where you can buy all sorts of weird and wonderful exotic instruments uh, will, will often have the same in investment strategy. For, for traders who are really active, they, they will often put these kinds of stop loss orders in. For, for people who are making long-term investment decisions, I must say I'm not a fan. You know, if you buy, uh, you know, a share that uh, it's very possible that if you're going to buy a share for the next decade, uh, I almost guarantee you it's going to lose 10% at some point in time. You know, and that's not a bad thing. That's that's part and parcel of, of volatile markets. So, so I think for people who are trading or who own things that that could double or halve, you know, daily, you know, and especially in the crypto space, then looking at these stop losses might be an idea for long-term share investors. Uh, and not something I would I would advocate because usually what happens is your stop loss kicks in, and you 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 know you sell the investment ten uh, percent down. You're now sitting in cash, uh, and and it usually the investment turns at eleven percent and shoots back up again and, and gives you capital growth, and you've missed out on that because your stop loss has put you in cash, and all the time you've had trading costs with those stop losses. So so they are valuable for traders. I, I'm not convinced uh, they're they're great for long term investors. Warren Ingram from Galileo Capital, author of um, Global Investing Made Easy, Saturday. Sleepless nights between now and then, please, if you wouldn't mind, because I need the <laughs> upper hand. And, um, I think conflict is good at Franchuk. There's not enough conflict at Franchuk. So um, I think we need to create a bit of a stir. Uh, but I'm looking forward to the chat. Coming up on Saturday at 1 o'clock with Warren Ingram, live at the Franchuk Literary Festival, where we're going to be um, um, on uh, Sunday. I get to talk to Magda Vizitska. And what I'm going to do, with the permission of... My, I was going to say victims, and my guests, the people I'm interviewing, is I'm going to record those, I think, and then we can play them on the radio because that way you can hear uh, Magda's view on her book and you can hear Warren. I've never spoken to Warren about his book before, but it'll have a different feel to it, put it that way. Um, so we'll do that and then play those out on the radio and I get a bit of value out of the Frontier Literary Festival for you.